At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Newish. Everything's changed. Have you? Where we're celebrating that in Christ, we have been given new life. The only question is, are you living it? Let's turn to Romans chapters 5 through 7 to decipher whether we're living in Christ's freedom or trapped in the patterns of our old life. I remember one time early in ministry, I preached, it was when we had morning and evening services, right, back when we were really following Jesus. Um, and, um, and in the morning, preached in the transfiguration and, and that mountaintop experience with the disciples and uh, what he allowed them to see. And I, I asked the people, when we come back tonight, would you just tell me the stories of when God brought you to the mountaintop, when he allowed you to see him in a new way and just that spiritual high point in your life? And as a young kid, I was kind of expecting them to say, well, pastor, it was when you were preaching or, or, or maybe uh, at a retreat somewhere or uh, anyway, some, some kind of special time on top of a mountain, literally, when they were just looking over and seeing the goodness of God. Um, but every one of them that Sunday night shared a time of deep darkness, of a very difficult season, when they, in desperation, cried out to God, and they found him faithful. Whether it was the loss of a spouse or wayward children, or loss of a job, um, physical ailment, those times where you just say, well, God, why, if you're on the throne, then why is this stuff happening to me? And then as they went to him, they found him faithful. And so that was their mountaintop experiences to, without exception. And I know that those mountaintop experiences can be times of goodness, right? It can be times of bounty and plenty. But it seems like God is so faithful to us. There's so much times of goodness and bounty. It's kind of the exceptional times are when there are difficulties. And I know, as I think of a number of friends that I have in my life, it does seem like there's some that just have more difficulties than others. For somehow in God's sovereignty, he's just, it just seems like there's some that go through just repeat after repeat of difficulties. And as I read scripture, I see that, well, I think heaven's going to be even, even more glorious for them. Because of how they've, they've trusted in his faithfulness and so much difficulty, it seems that the rewards will be even more, more glorious. So I, I get that from reading 1 Peter. Um, but, the, but, the, but the reality is, as I sang that, I just thought of all the times that God has been gracious and the times that I've been worried and, and concerned and, and, and then in the end to realize, why did I doubt him that time? Why do I keep doubting him? Because he's, he's always faithful. As I read in, my, in the book of Luke this week, I read of Jesus' words when he says, aren't you, aren't you probably more valuable than a sparrow? And they don't have to worry. The Father takes care of them. So don't you think, don't you think he'll take care of you too? And that's exactly the truth that I found. And I think you found that too. Anyway, Romans 8 is what we get to dive into today. I've been looking forward to this as we started this Romans series. Chapter 5, 6, and 7 is, is glorious truth. It, it helps us understand the way that God has united us in Jesus 
that we've been justified, we've been saved, we've been united with him in his death and his resurrection, and that's glorious. But in chapter 8, he, he introduces us to the powerful work of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit we're going to talk, begin talking about today, and how his presence in our life makes us as his followers unstoppable, more than conquerors, overcomers, because the overcomer lives with us. And maybe you're at a time in your life when you're in one of those dark seasons and you just need to hear that nope, he's with you. And though you feel like you've been stopped and you've been crushed, you're not. You're, you're his and you are victorious and you are unstoppable in this life he's called us to live. So unstoppable, bound in his love, freed by his spirit. Over the rest of November, we'll get to dive into this wonderful chapter. We as humans, um, it seems like we have this unconscious awareness of a need for a power greater than ourselves. Um, maybe as you look at the movies that are out there today, there's so much... Um, is so much embrace or enthrallment with the Marvel series, right? These superheroes that uh, come to the scene. And there, there's this thought that, wow, Iron Man, he's got this capsule of palladium in, in his chest and a, and a high-tech suit that allows him to be more powerful than he would be naturally. Or a scrawny little patriotic kid that's too young to join the military. But you give him that super soldier serum and suddenly he becomes Captain America. He's power greater than he naturally had. There, there was a movie that came out in the uh, like 2010, 2011 called Limitless. It's about this accountant-like character who uh, was pretty laissez-faire in his life until he encountered this narcotic that allows him to utilize 100% of the capacity of his brain. And suddenly he had the ability to reason and compute and comprehend things that nobody else did because we all work with like a, just a small fraction of our human brain capacity, right? Um, but not him. So suddenly he began to succeed in just about everything that he did because he was now limitless. But there's this sense in our mind that we might not even mention that we feel kind of ruined. We're, we, we aren't limitless. We're limited. And that's probably right on. In fact, in the biblical story of the world, we see that all humanity, though created in the image of God and created perfect, the reality is we're ruined. Every one of us, sin has affected us. We were born with the sin nature. We were born under the consequence of sin. And so instead, we're ruined. We're kept from experiencing the presence of God in our lives. And we can feel the weight of Paul's words. In fact, we feel like, yeah, I could write that. If I could have understood those words and put them together, yeah, that's how I feel. Where he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? 
ah, I'm wretched. I keep stumbling. I keep messing up. I'm limited. There's more I wish I could do. Oh, wretched person that I am. But then Paul's next verse jumps right into it. He said, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I've got an answer for that. Though in my natural man, I feel this wretchedness and ruinness. The reality is I've experienced Jesus. So thanks be to him because now I've overcome that. And that's what we want to experience. And that was the end. That's how chapter seven ends. And then chapter eight steps right in. It launches us into this topic with verse one, where it says, look at it with me. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In our natural state, we're condemned. We're enemies of God, separated from the life that he, that he wants to provide. Sin has conquered us. It's ruined us. We're wretched. There's no hope of getting rid of that. We tried. We try things. And our culture tries things. That's why my heart is so broken as I heard some news this week from some of you of uh, just the people experiencing that, that dark sense of hopelessness because I'm so burdened because Jesus is the answer. He is. He is. And we have that. God's opened our eyes to this truth and we desperately want more people to understand it and comprehend it and begin to experience it. For those who are in Christ, there is no hopelessness. There's no condemnation. Our big idea today, as you think of this, put in a creative way, but think of this. Our new location removes our condemnation. Think of that. Your new location, we're not talking about meeting in the VFW. We're not talking about the new building we have at 419 Michigan Street. No, I'm not talking about that location. The location of being in Christ has removed any condemnation in your life. Our new location has removed our condemnation. So how could this be true? How do we know this? Why can we be confident in this powerful statement from Paul as he begins chapter 8? Well, there's three things I want you to see today. First of all, verse, one shows, verse 2 shows us that in Christ, the Spirit has freed us. When you're in Christ, when that's your location, being in Him, the Spirit frees you. Verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. You were condemned by the law of sin and death, but now in Christ, the spirit of life has set you free. The Holy Spirit has brought liberation to all those who have placed their faith in Jesus. Now, Paul begins to talk about the Holy Spirit here. And it's not that he hasn't mentioned him in this book of Romans. If you were to go back and as he begins chapter one, you can see that he has an intention of talking about the Holy Spirit as he begins the letter. He mentions him right off the bat, but then, then the Spirit just kind of disappears from his language until you get here to chapter 8. Oh, he's mentioned once or twice in those first seven chapters, but here it's like, he's, oh, I've been wanting to talk to you about this because here's where it gets really, really, really good. 
So he introduces us to the Holy Spirit and says, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of life, sets you free. Now, the Holy Spirit, as we'll see, there's, we're going to talk about him for quite a bit in these next four weeks, but you'll see that, first of all, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a force. He's not a feeling. He's not an influence. It's not like, may the Holy Spirit be with you, right? Like the Star Wars thing. It's more than the force being with you. The Spirit is a person, And by that, we mean he has personhood. We're not saying that a person means he's got a physical body because that doesn't make a person a person. He's a person, meaning he has a will. He makes decisions. He takes action. He works. He's in relationship with others. He relates to us as people. He relates to the other persons of the Godhead, the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. They have relationship Together, the Holy Spirit as this person, one of the persons of God, has the divine attributes. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. He can be with me. He can be with you. He can be with them. He can be with us. He, is, he can be anywhere he chooses to be. He's omnipresent. He's all-knowing. He knows all things. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're going to do. He knows your future. He knows your past. He's all-knowing. The Holy Spirit is all-powerful. There's nothing the Spirit of God cannot do. He is God. He is a person who wants to relate with us. We'll see that as we, as we move through chapter 8. And Scripture teaches that when you are justified, when you place your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in, residence in you. You become the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. You become the temple of God, the place where the Spirit of God resides, is you. If you've accepted Jesus, if he's cleansed you from sin, the Holy Spirit is with you. And Paul can't hardly get past this, so he's going to keep talking about this concept through this entire chapter. Like 12 different times, he'll mention different aspects about this. Galatians chapter 4, he writes to them and says, Because you're children of God, he has sent his spirit into your hearts. When God says, okay, you're you're part of my family. When we receive his salvation, we become part of his family. And part of that process is he gives us his spirit to live with us, to dwell with us, never to leave. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, a few verses later, we'll look at this next week. He says, "If if you don't have the spirit, then you don't belong to God. It's like, it's like you connected with God, you get the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God. This happens when you experience his cleansing. So here, so that's all about the Holy Spirit. We're going to dive into those things. But here, Paul is saying that the law of the Spirit is the power of God that allows believers to break away from the law of sin and death that has shackled you and has condemned you, you're freed from that law of consequence. What is the law of sin and death? The law of sin and death is the soul that sins, it shall die. If you sin, you'll be, you will die. You will be separated from God spiritually and you will be separated from your body physically. You will die if you sin. And the 
tragedy is the category of people that have sinned is all of us. We all fall into that category, both in the way we've been born as sinners and the way we prove it by choosing to sin ourselves. So that's the law we're all born into. The Spirit sets you free from that. It says, that's not you anymore. Those chains have been broken. You now have His power to live out the new life that God provides. So, so not only are you not going to face the consequence of sin, you do not have to experience the power of sin in your life. It's, this, this isn't simply a future tense that says, so you're good, you've got the Holy Spirit, and one day it'll pay off because you won't have to go to hell. That's not what Paul is saying, and you'll see that very quickly. He's saying that the power of the law of sin and death that you're experiencing right now That's been broken. So you live in freedom now, and you can experience that the 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 culmination of that freedom when you see God face to face. So you've been given a new nature. When you've been justified with God, you've been given a new nature, which means you have an identity that you didn't have before. Now your identity is being with God, a child of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the starting point of living in the power of God is where we're getting to. The starting point of living in the power of God, better than having super soldier serum or or that canister in your chest that makes that tin suit destroy Godzilla or whatever, right? Better than that is that you have the power of Christ in you. The Spirit of God resides in you, frees you. The second reason we know that we're not condemned is that in Christ, God has condemned sin. Listen listen to verse 3. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Let me say it again. God has done what the law couldn't do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So he begins in in verse 3 to highlight the reality of the powerlessness of the law in order to show us the power of God. So the law could not conquer sin. It can't change the fact that you keep breaking the law. Right? The law says speed limit is 35. That doesn't give you the power to go 34. You still continue to break that law. The law doesn't make you lawful. It just tells you that you're breaking the law. So it can't make you right. No matter how hard you try to do the right things, you can't get right with God. It can't do it. But the law of the Spirit can because it sets you free from the consequence of the law and gives you life. How? Because it conquered 
the power of sin. He uses this very carefully phrased, uh, worded phrase to help us understand this, how God could do this. He says, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Now break that up a bit. By sending his own son. That's, that's the expression of Jesus came in the likeness of God. His own son. He had the nature, the divine nature of God. Jesus came as God in the flesh. Right? The son of God expresses that he possessed the nature of God the Father. He, he is God. Secondly, it says, he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. Okay, so, so here he is, the son of God, fully God, and yet he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. That's, look down at your hands. Yeah, that's you. You got any wrinkles on those hands? Some of you, no, not yet. Some of you got a lot of them. In other words, you're kind of wearing down. You're wearing out. No, I mean that in a positive sense. I mean, that's good because that's experience and wisdom and, and such things, right? No, it kind of does mean that, we, we, yeah, well, you know, that we're limited. We're ruined. Jesus says that, Paul says that that's how Jesus came. He took on human flesh that gets colds. He took on human flesh that has pain. He took on human flesh that has limitations. Jesus came as a human. That's what we're celebrating for the nativity, for Christmas time. It's what we want the world to know because there's something powerful in this. When the Son of God came in human flesh, He came not to give us a holiday. He came to save us from the power of sin. The power of sin is why people make such tragic choices that range from speaking evil towards their spouse to taking their own life. The tragic choices of, of indulging in a destructive addiction to lying to their employer all the range of so much destruction that produces so many bad consequences, all of that has been conquered through the Son of God coming in the likeness of, of sinful flesh for sin. It's conquered sin. Sin condemns us. And God says, you know what I've done? I've condemned that which condemns you. I've, I've, I've destroyed what was destroying you. So you don't have to fear destruction because I've destroyed the destroyer. Is that, I, I love Paul's reasoning as he walks us through this reality and the freedom that we have in Christ. Some have asked me, so I have this sin struggle and I've been trying to kick it. I've been trying to get rid of it, but I just keep struggling with this. And if I were to ask him that question, well, do you think, if you keep struggling with that, do you think God will accept you? How would you answer that question? I keep struggling with the sin issue. I keep trying to push that down. I'm asking God to get victory over this, but I keep struggling with this. Do you think God will accept you? 
Absolutely he will. Because you know what doesn't conquer sin? You. You're not the conqueror. This is what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to know that you are free from condemnation because it's not you that set you free. It's me. So you stand free from condemnation even though you continue to struggle with some of those nagging things and strongholds that keep you from fully experiencing all the grace that he has. But the reality is that doesn't condemn you. I destroyed the destroyer. I condemned the condemner. Is that a word? I condemn that which condemns you. So yeah, you don't have to fear my condemnation because if you experience my cleansing, if you've been justified, sin has been conquered. And you can walk in newness of life. Now does that mean that you, well, great, then I might as well indulge. Well, you won't because if you are set free, you won't want to do that. You won't be content with that. In fact, your struggle at trying to release that, the tentacles of, of sin in those areas of your life is kind of evidence that, well, then the Spirit must be working to give you that desire to break free. But no, condemnation is a gift from God. I'm, excuse me, con- the freedom from condemnation is a gift from God. For you to step free and realize, I, I don't have to fear final judgment because I stand in the blood of Jesus. That's his kindness and his grace to you. The goodness of this continues. So as a result of God's condemning sin, believers can now fulfill the law of God and their love for others. So here's here's the cool thing. Now that you have been set free from sin, the law can be fulfilled in your life. Because number three, in Christ, we walk by the Spirit. In Christ, we walk by the Spirit that lives in us. Verse five says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Paul's not saying that this is how we fulfill the law. He is saying this is what a life looks like in whom the law has been fulfilled in Christ. He's not saying now you're going to do all things perfectly. He's saying actually now God has given you the perfection of Jesus. And with that perfection, now you have the Holy Spirit that empowers you to walk out his truth. So we set our minds on the Spirit. We have a desire for good things, the things of God. We have a desire to walk in the rightness of God. This is his gift to us that comes as we submit ourselves to him, as we have his spirit living in us. It changes us. And you all have your stories. Some of you have told me some of your stories of that change that has happened. Recently had a young dad tell me that two and a half years ago or so, he 
He didn't have any concern in his mind for modeling a godly life in, in the eyes of his children. That wasn't a concern. He didn't even think about that. But now that Jesus has done a work in his life, now that fills his heart with motivation to model godliness in front of his kids. What is that? That's the spirit of work in his life. Setting his mind on the spirit. It didn't happen before, but now it does because he's been made new. I had a, a gal here tell me that she doesn't have the desire anymore to go get plastered. It just has changed. She just doesn't, it doesn't appeal to her anymore. What is that? What's the spirit of God at life in her? Releasing her from that, those former passions and giving her new passions as she sets her mind on the spirit. Young man told me recently that instead of using his phone to indulge in pornography, he uses that to, to learn to read scripture and to listen to sermons and to grow in his faith. What is that? It's the law of the spirit at work in his life. As he sets his mind on the spirit, it transforms him and takes those things that were formerly destructive. Now it pushes those things aside and gives him a hunger for things that are right. Some of you are here today. Simply your being here is a testimony of that. Oh, maybe you used to come to church, but it was kind of that drudgery of, uh, I guess we should. I promised her I would, so I will. And so you come shuffling in here, and oh, this is just weird. But now as you come in, it's coming because you're anticipating something that God has for you. You come because you want to be here. You come because you believe that God is going to work in your heart and you found that to be a good thing. What is that? That's the Spirit working in your life, changing your desires, changing what your focus is on and giving you freedom that you didn't have before. This isn't saying that there won't be times of struggle. It's not saying you won't have times of stumbling where, where suddenly you find, you look at you in the mirror and you realize you've been going after the flesh instead of the spirit. We have times like that. It's a process of working out that sanctification. Although we're made right with God in our standing with him, there's still now that catch-up work that happens in your life as you're becoming uh, faithful at living out what's true in, inside. But it's, a, it's, it's transformation that starts on the inside and works his way out. And this is all the work of the Spirit in you. This is saying that there's a power in you that wasn't there before. This is the Holy Spirit who continues the good work that he started when he rescued you. There's a power there, a supernatural power. As I was meditating this on this this week and just reveling in that, I was reminded of a conversation I had. It had to be about eight years ago. Um, I was serving at the at the Warren campus of Woodside, and it was at a um, our next steps process, and was meeting with a a young couple who had been coming to church for for a short time, 
and the, the young man was contemplating baptism. And he asked me an interesting question that I hadn't been asked before. He says, what kind of power will I get if I get baptized? I said, well, it's beautiful. It's, it's the power of obedience that puts, kind of puts you in a place where I said yes to Jesus here, and it was so good, I'm going to keep saying yes. It puts you on a path. He says, no, no, I mean like power. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I came today because I have to make a choice. I'm considering joining the Satanist church also. And they've promised me a power that I didn't have before. And I just want to know which is the greater power. And so I tried to talk to him about the, the, the spiritual power that God gives to us. But I said, you know, to levitate tables and to move chairs, I guess if, if you want to do that and you think that's pretty impressive... I don't know that the Spirit of God is going to have you do that because, like, what's the point? You can lift a table, move a chair. What's the point? But to, but to live for God? To change lives? Well, that's the last I saw him. I saw his wife, as she with tears said he chose to join the Satanist church. He left town met with them, went through this process with them. Broke my heart. But it was a couple years ago, um, since, since joining the team here, I saw her in a store. I saw, excuse me, it was, it was his mother-in-law, so it was the wife's mom. Saw her in the store, and she stopped me. I didn't recognize her, but she introduced herself again to me and said, oh, yeah, so I asked about her. She said, oh, I've been so glad I could tell you he walked in darkness for, uh, f for a few years. But then he just hit a wall as he realized he was just getting deeper and deeper in emptiness. We're experiencing the void and nothing was satisfying his heart. Where he just broke. And he cried out to God, turned to him, placed his faith in Jesus. And he's been living for him for the past two years. And he's, he's never had more stability in his life than since that decision. What power will you get? Well, you know, yeah, there, there might be, even on this Halloween holiday, it's kind of the elevation of the powers of darkness and such things. And I know there's some fun you can have on this holiday. There's also some that really want to embrace the true powers of darkness. And it's a choice. But here's what I've found. In caring for people and experiencing life, i found nothing matches the power of God in the life of his children. Nothing. Nothing enables them to go through seasons of darkness and difficulty and pain that everyone will face in our world. I don't care what allegiance you give and what worldview you embrace. You will experience the ruin of life and there's only one answer that can bring you hope in life, and that's Jesus. He's the only one that can, through the, the seasons of bounty and the seasons of plenty, he's the only one that brings satisfaction. I've seen it over and over again. I've seen people that experience all this wonderful su success in their life, and they get to the top and they look around and say, there's nothing here. 
So they reach out to Jesus and he fills them. And they begin to use all that bounty they experience now for the kingdom of God. That's where they found joy. I've watched people that were down in the depths of the world where it seemed like the world would just kept stomping on them and stomping on them. And that bottom of their life, they cried out to Jesus and he rescued them. And some of them, those circumstances changed. Some of them they didn't, but all of them experienced the hope and life that God gives to those that trust him. And that's what Paul's saying. You'll, you'll find as we read the book of Romans, there's, there's, no, like, um, there's no command in Romans chapter 8. There's no command. Because Paul says, you just got to know how good God is in his presence of his Holy Spirit, what a game changer that is. And so as we begin to launch into this beautiful chapter, can I just ask you, just embrace the truth that you don't have, con- if, you've, if you've trusted in Jesus, you have no condemnation. You're not under the power of sin. Instead, the Holy Spirit is there to fill you with life, to give you joy, to enable you to impact the world for the cause of Christ. Every single one of you who's trusted him, he lives with you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you've let us know. Again, it just seems that in the world, we, we can get convinced that we're not more than a conqueror, we're less than a conqueror. And yet your word makes very clear that because of our faith in you and because of your work in our hearts, Lord, you have placed us in the category of a victor. I thank you for that. Thank you for the, the gift of the Holy Spirit that resides in each one of us, Lord. And I know that we need to submit to him. We need to be filled with him so that he, Lord, continues to transform us so that, so that the fruit of his presence can, can be expressed in our, in our lives, Lord. But today, I just want to thank you for him. Thank you that your person of the Holy Spirit resides in us. If there's anyone here, Lord, that has never received you, I pray that today would be the day where they just cry out to you and say, God, set me free. Set me free from the law of sin and death. I thank you for Jesus who's conquered it. And I pray you'd give me your forgiveness. Give me the righteousness of Jesus. May this be the day of salvation for them. For those of us that are your children, Lord, may we live according to the truth that your word proclaims. That, Lord, we would set our minds on the Spirit more and more faithfully. We'd push aside the the mind of the flesh because that only seeks to bring us back into some of those dabblings of darkness. May we live boldly for you as the Holy Spirit empowers us, Father. We thank you for it. Continue to speak to us as we reflect on this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. You know, this all does begin with a relationship with Jesus. You can't have the Spirit if you're not in Christ. So let me just invite you in this moment, maybe as you're standing there, maybe this is the time. What you need to do right now, instead of singing this song, you just need in the quietness of your heart say, Jesus... Come into my life. Take residence in in me. Cleanse me of sin. I know you've conquered it through the death and resurrection. But now I want that to be mine.
I encourage you to do that. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.